0: Am I there? I am there. Hello, my friends. I should say Merry Christmas, my friends. Good to have you here today. Are you there? Merry Christmas. A little better. Merry Christmas. Okay, we're glad that you're here today. We are in a series called Filled, Complete, and Whole. And it is a perfect series to be in right at this season. We started it before the season, but it's a perfect series to be in at this season because why did Jesus come? He came so that we could be filled, complete, and whole. And I don't know what you've been experiencing. If you're not feeling uh, filled, complete, whole, we need to get in touch with what Jesus is all about. And that's what we've been learning about. And today we're looking at because I am raised to new life. And I want to begin with something that's a little humorous. As the story goes, penny-pinching Jack Benny was walking along when suddenly an armed robber approached and said, Your money or your life? There was a long pause as Benny did nothing. The robber impatiently cried, Well, Jack Benny replied, Don't rush me. I'm thinking about it. All right, one person thought it was funny, so... The the thing about that statement is, I'm not Jack Benny, and Jack Benny delivers it with perfect timing and all of that. It's the confusion of it that makes it so funny. It's like, huh, my money or my life? Let me be thinking about it. That is kind of a what? When we have our mindset on the wrong thing, whatever that may be, your whole life gets out of whack in terms of priority. It starts to be, huh, which is more important? And to everybody else, it's really obvious which is really important, but because of your mindset, the thing that is not that important starts to be so very important that everything's out of whack. So you might say that today... We're learning about what can you do when our mind is set on the wrong things. That's what it's all about today, and I think it's very, very practical. It's also one that Paul uses words and imagery and ideas that are a little bit foreign to our thinking, and it's really helpful to just think about it for a bit and try to understand what he's saying. And so I'm hoping that this very practical, very profound message from Paul just settles into our being, and we come away like, yes! I'm hoping that's your experience today. We're going to be reading only four verses today, but we're going to look at the whole, and then we're going to look at its parts, and we're going to talk it through and so that we can get a hold of this. So we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3, 1 through 4. It reads this way. So, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him. In glory. Now, some people who are in this room, I know that as I read this, they're just going, yes. And other people in this room are just going, huh? Okay, And I think we need to get a hold of some of the the things that he's said here, and if we're really familiar with them, we probably are maybe so familiar that they've lost little impact. And if you're really unfamiliar, they're a little confusing, these phrases, and so we need to get a hold of all that is said here to really get a hold of what this is about for our lives practically. So we're going to begin with point number one, and point number one is this, seek his kingdom. Seek his kingdom. Now, I chose that phrase carefully for point number one. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 33. He said, seek first his kingdom. And what Paul is saying here is something very similar, but with different words. The different words are all except for one because Jesus used the word seek. Paul is using the same word seek in this section as well. So let's take a look at it. Again, verse 1, so if you have been raised with Christ, seek, there's the word, the things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. So Jesus said, seek, Paul is now saying, seek, Jesus said, seek his kingdom, and when he's saying it, he's talking about the kingdom of God, but we understand now that Jesus, after what he's claimed and proclaimed in his death, burial, and resurrection, that when we talk about God, we're talking about God the Father, God the Son, who is the Messiah forever, ruling with God the Father. We read about that. Seated with him, ruling with him. And God the Holy Spirit. Seek his kingdom. Three in one, that's what we're seeking. His kingdom. But Paul says the same thing in a different way. The word seek. He says, Seek the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. I'm going to talk more about what that looks like to seek his kingdom, especially seeking things above. But we could say, So, how do we do this? And a piece of how we do this, he just goes right into it in the next sentence, verse two. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And so in the opening little humorous statement about Jack Benny, where was his mindset? His mind was set on money. Because his mind was set on money, his whole mindset confused priority to such a degree that life was devalued and money was so overvalued. He said, wait, 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 let me think about it. And you can get life all out of whack. Now, maybe your mindset isn't money, but every one of us has a tendency to default into a mindset. And we always default into a mindset, we've just read about it, on earthly things. Money, sensual things, pleasures, and we kind of default to these kinds of things. So, On the screen, I'm going to talk about a common sort of umbrella default that so many people default to, and that's this. Here's a common mindset. It's all about me, and it's all about now. So as you're trying to be whole, fulfilled, complete, feeling a little off, feeling a little empty, What do you do so that you don't feel so empty? What do you do to feel a little life? What do you do to feel so like, ah? Well, depending on your mindset, if your mindset is off, you're going to go to, it's all about me. And it's all about right now. Now, which reminds me, recently I heard somebody tell me that they heard somebody say, that these are the five top sins of men, okay? Men, not, as opposed to women, men's five top sins. Now that I said that, some of you perked up like, okay, what, what are those five? All right? This is important. You might want to take this down. You ready? Five top sins, five top temptations of men are, ready? One, pride. Two, Pride. Three. Pride. Four. Pride. Five. Lust. Gotcha. And uh, really all sin can be under the umbrella of it's all about me and it's all about now, which is pride. But you can tuck away any of our own sins, whatever mindset is, whatever it is that we go to, For our fulfillment, oh, wow, just went to Mickey Mouse. My throat is needing something, sorry. Filled, complete, (laughs) whole. Whatever we go to to make things feel better, get right, is that thing that we have to really, really be careful of. Life's not all about me. It's not all about now. Why? Because we have been created by a creator. We function best as we've been created to function. He created us to be the image of God, little image of God. He created us in his image, in his likeness, and we're to reflect his glory. And our whole life is to be all about him and all about eternity. And we actually become more whole, more complete, more fulfilled when we are living according to purpose. There's nothing more empty than a purposeless life. And to be experiencing purpose the way that he's designed it is so, so important to get a hold of. So, what are you seeking? What you set your minds on will be what you keep seeking. Your fixation, your mindset, always affects your aim in life. So, having said that, let's take a look at what it is you are seeking. I'm going to ask a few questions. They're going to be probing a little bit. It's just to get you thinking. It's all about thinking today, mindset, and seeking, What are you seeking? So you want to be full? You want to be whole? You want to be complete? What are you seeking? Where do you seek fulfillment? When you're feeling empty, where do you seek fulfillment? Where do you set your thoughts? What do you think about most frequently? If you just have some quiet... Maybe you never allow yourself to have quiet. But if you just have some quiet, where does your brain go? What do you start filling it with? What do you think about? So when you seek to be filled, complete, and whole, here's the most important question. What is your go-to? Because that is affected by your mindset. What you set your Mind on will be what you keep seeking. Now we just read, set your mind on things above, above and beyond, somewhere that isn't where we see, it isn't what we know, it isn't what we experience, and that's where we just set our mind. Now I don't know. You might read this verse and say, okay, so I'm supposed to think about, and you you maybe think, so what? It, Okay, think about things above, Uh, clouds, Uh, what do they do, sing with harps, Uh, oh, I read something about streets that are like paved in gold, that's pretty cool, oh, pearly gates, no, 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 I don't think any of those little materialistic descriptions of what it is that Paul is getting at. Those are really scant descriptions in Scripture about the kingdom of heaven. Those are just a few tiny lines compared to whole books and paragraphs about the unseen realm where God exists that now has invaded our realm, which is our realm, what we see. What we see is temporary. What we see, is, we think it as reality. And so our mindset always defaults here. If you don't literally work to think about what we do not see and where God is. And so I have written down my thoughts to limit me, because I'll go on and on and on if I try to describe this, so that I can keep it fairly short. Here's the kind of things I think about to help me set my mind on things above and beyond. Okay? So I think about God who fills the universe with life. Where does life come from? It comes from Him. And He fills the universe with life. He created the systems of life. And I think of the systems as I see them, that it's like everything's a system. It's all interworking together. The solar system, the ecosystem, trees and greenery, all the glory, it all fits together in the system that He gloriously put together. He supplies me with life. He supplies me with energy. And as I think about, he's the one that puts energy into my life. I may ask him for some energy, ask him for energy because he's the source, even more than food, even more than sleep. I often ask when I'm a little short of sleep. I'm rarely short of food. Um, And I'm, I'm asking him to fill me and he gives me help and energy and joy and vitality. He gives me peace. Not like the world gives. When you want peace, you know, what do you try to do? Get away from the noise? What do you try to do f- to get peace? I try to get peace from the source, and I try to think about where that source is and ask for that peace to come my direction, which surpasses all of my comprehension understanding that, and understanding. And I, I love it when I experience that, and I know what to do to get there especially when I'm all twisted up inside where I know that he needs to take care of that. and usually starts with some repentance about what's twisted up inside, and then he gives me peace. When my mind is properly set, my mind can finally rest, knowing he's not surprised by what has surprised me. There's a lot coming at us these days, and we're surprised by these things that are coming at us, and we're afraid about what's coming next and how it's all going to go. And I realize he's not afraid. He's not surprised. I have peace. He has the power, and he has the answers that I'm looking for. In fact, he can do far more than I'm even asking for, and he can do far more than I can even imagine to ask for, and sometimes I ask him to do more than I can ask or imagine. And I find joy in seeing him do that. I can trust him to write the next chapter of my story, a story that will be a good story, pleasing to him, and I'll like it too. And it gives me peace, and it helps me to set my mind and reorient my mind from all those places that I default to. He works all things together for my good. All these thoughts are based on scriptures. I picture his goodness, his character, all goodness comes from him. So if there's anything good in me, I know it's coming from him, and th- from him through me to bless another. He brings the fruit of the Spirit, love, because he's love. So anytime I experience a little love for a grandchild or a little love for my wife, it's coming from God and I'm experiencing that and I'm enjoying that and I re- reflect and think about that and it makes the love all the more sweet. Because I'm being loved, and through me, he's loving. When I experience joy, it's the same. When I experience peace, it's from him. When I experience forbearance, when somebody has hurt me, and I'm able to give a little forbearance and forgive them, because I've been forgiven by God for so much more, and I can just let things go. I experience more from God in that. It's like, this is, thank you, God, for this, which is coming from your character qualities, when I'm able to be kind in a situation, I'm experiencing God. When I'm able to express a little goodness, I'm expressing some goodness that God has given me to express. And when I'm able to be faithful and express that faithfulness, either to God or to my wife or to the church or to anyone else, that's coming from God who is himself faithful. So I think about such things. I'm setting my mind on such things. I'm thinking about God, and it's like fueling my worship. My worship is expanding and expanding with my thoughts being set toward him in this way. From his goodness, he fills me with his goodness. From the riches of heaven, he's filling my earthly being. All this from who he is, and because of what Jesus has done for me, Now, from the glorious to a little bit ridiculous, point number two, that's not ridiculous, but I will get ridiculous in a moment. Point number two is seek, set, live. What kind of ball is this? A volleyball. All right, now, from this point forward, I'm, I... If I really had time, I'd, I'd start playing with this and, and we'd use volleyball terms to explain each piece of the term. A volleyball game plan can be stated in three words. Anybody know the three words? Bump, set, spike. Bump, set, spike. Correct. And we could just spend some time with tossing it out there and somebody would get out there and bump it, which is a pass, to the next person so you can redirect it with a perfect set for the spike so that you can really experience points. But what we're talking about is not the game plan for volleyball. We're talking about the game plan for true life, really living. Now, there's nothing in this cup. This is my volleyball holder for the rest of the day. So just for you to take a look at the game plan for life is to seek, verse 1, to set, verse 2, to live shows up in 3 and 4, and you've got to have these to experience real life. Let's take a look a little bit more closely at the word set. Colossians 3.2 says, Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Now, if you are really good at grammar, this would make really good sense to you. If you're not really good at grammar, I'll bring you along, so hopefully you will learn something today that's helpful. The verb seek in the Greek that's translated here is a present tense imperative. What that means is it's a command, but it's a command that you, you do and you do again and you do again and you do again. It's not like you did. Whew. I seeked. <laughs> okay? And set is the same way. It's a present tense imperative. It's a command to set and to set, and to set. It's a little bit like a whole volleyball game. You're going to do this over and over and over again. Life is going to come at you, and you're going to, instead of bump, set, spike, you're going to seek, and you're going to set so you can live. And you've got to literally do over and over and over again instead of living in our default seek, our default seek because we are living in earthly bodies, in an earthly world, in a visual world that's been separated from the spiritual dimension because of sin. It didn't used to be this way. A separation existed now. Our senses are cut off from seeing God, sensing God the way that Adam and Eve did before the separation, Now we're starting to have it be coming together again. And so what we're experiencing is learning how to seek a realm we cannot see so that we can experience that realm more and more. And that mindset and seeking, we're going to experience that more. I've heard, I think it was Dostoevsky, say, it's like God took seeds from a garden in another world and planted these seeds into our lives and into our world, there's only some of us that experience that, and we sense it, and it's hidden to all the rest that this above and beyond world is what we set our hearts on and set our lives to seek, and we need to keep setting our mind there and be thinking about it. It becomes more and more real as we go through the seek, set, live. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So, quote, you must think about what you think about. And keep doing this. Think about what you think about. Ask yourself where your mind tends to be set. Take time each day to reorient where your mind is set. It makes all the difference in how you live. Seek, set, and live. That's the game plan of life. Point number three, your life is now hidden with Christ. I've already given you some hints about this. Your life is hidden with Christ, but here's what Paul says in verse three. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. For some people, it's like, huh, what is he talking about? Well, there's this otherworldly dimension we can't see that he's now planting in us, and this life that is now in union with Christ is something others can't see in us. Other than the outward expression of it, the spirituality of it is hidden. Now, let me just review where we've been in Colossians uh, Colossians 3.3, we we just read, for you died. What? I'm alive. No, when you died with him in your baptism, Colossians 2.12, your old life was crucified with Christ. I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me, Paul says. And the life I now live, it's weird, he says, I've been crucified, but the life I now live in the body... I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I love that section because Paul personalizes something that took place before he even knew Christ. Before we knew Christ, this personal thing took place when Christ died for you The scripture says that God loved you so much, he sent his son to die for you. And Christ loved you so much, he died for you, absorbing your sins into himself, paying the penalty for you. He loved you that much. Gave himself for you because he loved you. Personalize it. Paul did. So let's follow his example. That's how much God loves me. Brennan Manning talked about his best friend while they were in the service together. They grew up together, they did life together, and then they went to the service, and then a grenade was thrown into their, their little midst with just two of them. His friend looked at him, smiled, and threw himself on the grenade and gave his life for him. He was talking to his friend's mother, and he said to his mother, Do you suppose he loved me? And this mother almost got mad. What else can he do to show he loves you? He gave his life for you. And Brennan Manning took the name of his friend and carried that name and was called by that name from that point forward. That wasn't in my notes. That just snuck in there. First service didn't get that. Um, So, as Christ took this upon himself, and we were baptized by faith, we united with him. Like two people in a marriage, they say, I'm committing my life to you, you're committing your life to me. It's all about a a union. Our life now, the two are becoming one to live a shared life. That's what we experienced when we said yes to Jesus. We were all in. He says, will you be mine? We say yes, and we Enter into a shared life. Now this life is a one life thing. And we learn here that it's a hidden life. For nobody can see this union and the reality of the spiritual union. But we know what it's all about. Because we experience it. I've described it to you. I say nobody can see it, but that's not exactly true. We see evidences of it. But you know there are beings that can see it. God being one of them. You know, when he looks at you, if you have said yes to Jesus, when he looks at you, he sees his glorious, holy sun shining from you. You know, the Ephesians tells us that we are seated with Christ on the throne. Seated with God. Huh? Huh? I'm I'm not seated in heaven, I'm here. But in union with Christ, this thing that I cannot see that is real is that my union with him spiritually now unites me with Christ and he is seated with God. And so I have this authority and this power and this glory that's connected with me because of Jesus' power and glory connected or emanating from him. I'm enveloped by Jesus, and when God looks at me, he sees the glory of Christ. No wonder I'm forgiven. He looks at what Jesus has done. I'm not saved because of my religiosity. I'm not saved because I was able to do this and this and this and please God. There is nothing I can do to please God in and of myself. Jesus pleased God perfectly for me, and I united with Jesus. And he sees me in glory because of I'm hidden in Jesus. There's somebody else that sees the glory, and that is Satan and the demons. And they can't get to me... Because they have to go through God and Jesus' glory to get to me if I'm walking with Jesus and repentant and there's nothing come between me and Jesus. There's nowhere to get to without coming through the glory of God and Jesus to get to me. And so I can sit at the right hand of God in Jesus with authority over the darkness. This is powerful stuff. Which leads us to the concluding question, point number four. Does Jesus have a place in your life? Some of you think, of course he does. He has a place in my life. He has a really big place in my life. But if that's the way you think, and I've set you up to answer that way... Not to trick you, but to let you know that's an incorrect way of thinking based on verse 4. Let's read verse 4 again. When Christ, who is your life, he's not looking for a place in your life. He's looking to be your life. That everything is about Christ. The temptation is it's all about me. The answer is no, it is not. It's all about Jesus. My whole life is about Jesus. Everything I choose to do to bring fulfillment to me is about Jesus. If you have a list of priorities, don't just put Jesus as priority one. Put Jesus on every line. It's all about Jesus. Whether it's family or recreation or entertainment, it's all about Jesus. He is your life. Set your mindset there. And everything's going to become whole and pure, and fulfilled, and then we'll have to set our mindset again. So I want to conclude with this statement on the screen. Jesus doesn't want a place in your life. He wants your whole life. Jesus desires, deserves, and demands preeminence. Jesus' supremacy, we just studied that, chapter one and chapter two, And and it means he has no real competitor in your life if you keep going to the wrong mindset you're setting up competitors and to set your mind on christ it's eliminating competitors and saying it's all about you jesus i want more of you help me here in jesus name amen would you pray with me lord god this is a powerful section for us to understand the heart of it all the center of where this spiritual life, which we can't see, is so real and powerful. And the life we now live is you. And that when you appear, what was hidden before will now appear in our lives in a reality that's so glorious, all will see that glory in permanency and in reality when your kingdom and this kingdom eventually will be merged into one. Lord Jesus, may you receive all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.